Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. All right, thank you very much, Dr. Nunn. So good evening, everyone. Um, I trust your day has been great so far. Um, right, um, so let's, let's get into it. Um, I think first, first yeah, I would like to um, appreciate the leadership of the house and personal Pastor Damian, the pastorate, as well as the Hobbs team. Um, I, I think before I, I actually move on to the Hobbs team um, and appreciate um, Jackson and team, um, it's, it's mind-blowing how um, week after week, um, the the level of dedication, the level of thought, the level of time that Pastor Dami um, applies himself to to bring the word fresh every like on a consistent basis, on a regular basis, and we are well fed, we are fattened. Um, while while preparing for today's session, um, yeah, I could I could feel some some level of strain. And to imagine that Pastor Dami does this week in, week out is, is not something to be taken for granted. It's not something to, to take lightly at all. Um, so I, I just want to use this medium to once again appreciate Pastor Dami and the rest of the pastorate team. Um, I think Pastor Michael started off this sub-series on the Covenant of the World um, and uh, Pastor Peace as well last week. Really powerful sessions, which we will be building on today. Um, Right, so today we're um, still continuing in the series, um, looking onto Abraham, our father, um, with a focus on the covenant of wealth, on the Abrahamic covenant of wealth. Um, so I'll try to do a quick recap because what we'll be talking about today um, would be building up on what um, has been shared so far. Um, so in the very first in, installment of the sub-series, um, we had Pastor Dami give us a balanced introduction, a balanced teaching on, on kingdom wealth. Um, and some of the key points that really stood out for me was, was um, firstly that salvation is beyond forgiveness of sins. It's a package. It's a complete package. So it's, it's and in, within that package is wealth. Within that package is the ability to prosper and be in good health. Um, one of the other things he emphasized during his session or during the session was that um, blessing is not for blessing's sake. Um, we are blessed to be a blessing. Wealth is meant to be for conduction as a conduit and not a reservoir. Um, I, I think we'll still touch on this again, as, as I mentioned, because we're building. Um, and then lastly, one of, one of the last things he really emphasized towards the end was, was acknowledging God as our source. Yes, there are channels. But the ultimate source is God, our Father. All good things come from above, from our Father above. Um, he also went on to outline five levels of prosperity, um, spiritual prosperity, intellectual prosperity, um, prosperity health-wise, financial prosperity, relational prosperity. And this, this framework, we'll be leveraging this framework further down in, in the conversation. Um, and then the following week, we had Pastor Peace take us on the pillars of prosperity. Um, and the, crucial, the, the key point being that ob obedience is crucial. And, I, and he's...
use example of Abraham, how that God had said that Abraham will be and it was still be. Sorry, one second. Just can you hear me? Because I called from it. Just to be sure I'm, I'm still here. Am I here? All right, good. Thank you. Um, so um, firstly, that obedience is crucial. Secondly, that um, the mindset is not to make money. Um, um, and, and I think you made a couple of references to scriptures in Proverbs. Um, the third key point was that um, wealth is, is gathered through labor and labor is defined by love. There is no labor outside of love. And then lastly, he talked about honor, honoring God, honoring parents, honoring uh, people, the tithe and offerings and all of that. Um, so today, um, I, I, the conversation will be taking a, uh, what was the word? Would I say a sort of, sort of the approach of a debate? Um, so I have this introductory slide that says, good evening, respected judges, that's God, Pastor Dami, and the pastorate, the Hobbs team, my fellow debaters, those who agree with, or the mindset that I agree with some of the points I'm going to be sharing this evening in your head. And I mean, my worthy opponents as well, the opposing mindsets in your head, um, faculty members, LXL, the DC, and the audience. Uh, my name is Itor Nehemiah, and I'm here to support the motion that says, wealth is a matter of mind over matter. Right, so I did there, right, okay. Um, and um, off the top of my head, I can imagine what your reaction to this would be, right? Um, yeah, when did they enter Aspire to Maguire? Like, how far? This is beginning to sound a lot like, um, it's beginning to sound a lot like one of those motivational talk type of thing. The whole, oh, I only had 15 naira in my hand and um, I opened the shop, I became a billionaire. That, that sort of conversation, right? I, I know that's what it looks like, um, but stick with me and we would run through an interesting uh, conversation in four, <laughs> in four phases. Um, so in the first section, we'll talk about the specimen. We'll talk about the theory of relativity as it relates to wealth. And we'll talk about the time paradox. And we'll talk about uh, misplaced priorities. Even though uh, okay, so that's, there's, a, there's a little error there. I think that's supposed to be something else, but we'll get there. But again, it's still misplaced priorities. The, the, the idea ties in. All right, so stick it with me. Let's 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 get it. Let's get to it, right? Because we have quite a bit to go. All right, so the very first section, and we'll be talking about um, the specimen as as I try to to uh, support the motion, right? Um, and this we're talking about, and the specimen in this case would be Abraham, our father, the one whom who we are looking onto. Um, so this will just be a quick recap of um, some of the things that have been shared before, and then. Something that was shared, I think, during um, the, the, my last session under this series. I mean, if I had known at the time that we were going to get here, I probably would have saved a couple of those uh, thoughts for, for now. But I mean, God has a way of, or the Holy Spirit has a way of orchestrating these things because we're taking the thoughts a, a bit further today. Um, so, anchor text Look unto Abraham, your father, unto Sarah that bury you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And we looked at the um, the root words or, or the, the original text of for called for the blessing and for increase. Um, and we saw Kara, we saw Barak, we saw Rabbah. Um, and at the time, our focus was on the Rabbah. Um, I mean, we, Nigerians probably had some insights when Rabbah became you know, Rabbah, right? Um, but we then in that session attempted to answer 
um, the question, how did Abraham increase? How did he become rich? I mean, we could see vividly how where in, in the Bible where um, Abraham was called of God. Um, we, we see vividly where um, God called him out as well and blessed him. We see, we see the blessings written out. It's the increase that we then decided to look at. Like, what are the mechanics of, of that increase? And just as a recap, we said four things, really. And firstly, he already had stuff. When he was coming out of Haran, when he was living in his father's house, he left with all that he owned, um, his household and their properties. So he already had something to start, to start, as, as was referred to at the time. Um, second thing was he was a sharp guy. Um, he was able to convert challenges into opportunities. And we used, um, we used what happened when he, he and Sarah went down to Egypt as, as the framework to analyze this. Um, we also see that he leveraged time and chance. And this was, I think, one of the core focuses of that particular session. And, and the, the example we used for this was the time he battled the five kings um, over at Sodom and Gomorrah and retrieved the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and their goods. Um, here's a fun fact, though, something that I, I don't think I mentioned that day is that in nowhere else in the Bible is Abraham referred to as a man of battle or referred to as having fought a battle or having fought another battle or something. So it was almost like a one-time sort of thing, but he had built over time to leverage this once in a mention in the Bible chance, right? Um, and then we also said or concluded that the cocoa really the main thing the main gist was that god blessed him and that blessing was what was at work in his life and we see that um written in scripture towards the end of his um life as as documented right so now that we have that fundamental the fundamentals out of the way we can then move on to the start of the core gist um for today's session um, and we, we get into the theory of relativity as it pertains to wealth, E equals MC, MC, MC squared, right? Um, but don't worry, when, there's no math here, it's just a conversation. I'm sure you'll be able to follow. Right. So, the first thing I, I think I, I want to do in supporting the notion of um, wealth being a matter of mind over matter is that we would need to sort of define wealth. Um, and we would use the, the framework that Pastor, Pastor uh, Michael laid out um, during the first session. And my question really is, how do you define richness? How do you define someone being rich? Or how do you define someone being wealthy along any of these metrics or these dimensions of prosperity? How do you define someone as being spiritually wealthy or as intellectually wealthy or as um, healthily wealthy or as financially wealthy or prosperous? Was traditionally wealthy, right? Um, and so first thing I did, of course, I opened, popped up the dictionary and say, okay, what's, what's the definition there, right? And as I reading um, a number of, of definitions here and there, the common strain was that to be rich at something or in something is to have that thing in large quantities or in abundance. Um, yes, this definition adds up. It makes sense. Someone who is rich is some, someone who has something a lot. So a person who is um, rich financially has a lot of money. Um, a person who is um, intellectually rich or inter intellectually prosperous has 
a lot of intellect, uh, displays a, a high level of intellect, a large level of intellect, abundant level. But this definition creates a slight challenge, and that challenge is the challenge of relativity, because you cannot define rich. Well, I would say you cannot. It would be difficult to define rich or wealthy as a term in absolutes. So you see rich being defined as having something in being to be rich in something defined as to have something in large in large quantity. Large is relative. Large is relative to the mean, to the medium, to what's normal, right? So if you don't have a regular size, if you don't have a regular size defined, you can't have a large or a lesser, right? Um, and abundance is relative to the need. Um, you can't tell if you have something abundantly unless you have benchmarked what it is that you need. So, so as, as, as a result of this, we find that rich, the term rich or to be wealthy, to define someone as being rich is relative. And, and, and there, there are two sort of benchmarks. So you have the external benchmark where you're benchmarking to an average. And then you have the internal benchmark where you're sort of benchmarking to a need. So if you're going with large, um, there's, there's a, a midpoint. If you're going with abundance, there is a need or a defined um, quota, as, it, as, as so to speak, right? So it then brings me to the, another question, um, which is, so for someone to be defined as rich, must is it an and or or conversation, meaning must the person have it larger than the average and must at the same time also be larger than what his need is? Or can we pick any of them? And once you, once you answer or once you, are, once you agree to, once you, um, once you align with one of those definitions, we define you as rich. So the question is, can we say you are rich if you earn above average? but you cannot pay for what you need. You can't fill the quota, right? Or can we say you are rich if you end below average, but can acquire all your needs and heart desires? It's something to ponder on. And my, um, my to answer this question, uh, let's, let's look at the specimen again, right? Because it's a specimen. So question, how rich, was Abraham in US dollars or modern times? So if Abraham was alive today, right? Um, how rich would he be? Um, and I've, I've tried to benchmark. I mean, we have the richest person on the planet as, as it is, and may some be the richest person on another planet if all things go to plan. Um, but I mean, we have we have the likes of Elon, Jeff, Gates, Dangote. Where would you put Abraham on this scale if we were to convert his very rich, as the Bible put it, back in the day to modern times. So while um, Bible scholars do not have a precise figure, the estimated value of Abraham's net worth is somewhere between 2 to $10 billion. So, I mean, he's considerably dwarfed by Elon, considerably dwarfed by Jeff, um, and even Tanguti, like, just there, right? Like, our, our guy, right? Um, but, I mean, so that I'm comparing apples with apples, I just think to myself that, okay, um, 
the average rich person then, um, or when I say global wealth may not have gotten to, to this um, stage at, at that point. So we may not have at, at, at during Abraham's period. Because if you study um, global economy, you see that it's been steady increasing or steady rising along with um, innovation, technology, and, and all of those things. Um, so I thought maybe we're not comparing apples with apples if we're comparing Abraham to the likes of those who live and breathe in this day and age. So let's just compare Bible times to Bible times, right, and see where that puts us. Um, and we compare Abraham to Solomon. Of course, it's an unfair comparison right from the start. Solomon actually dwarfs everybody else, even those who live and breathe today at 2.2, an estimated 2.2 trillion dollars. Um, but then I went ahead to look at people who were likely to have lived around the time of Abraham, and Job was one of, is one of said people. Um, Job had arguably the same occupation as Abraham. He was he read cattle, he had farms, and all of that. And Job is also the book of Job is also said to be one of the oldest books in the Bible, i.e., pre-Abraham at the if we go by that definition, right? Or maybe around the same period. But Job had a net worth of, okay, so there's a slight typo there, 61 billion, so that's supposed to be trillion. And this was this was an, an assessment based on his livestock alone. So based on this analysis, right, I can define, or I can defend Abraham being defined as very rich because he had more than enough to provide for himself and his household household and now this is relative to the need right so he had in abundance relative to his internal benchmark and his household was quite a large household and this is now relative to the external benchmark think about it somebody's house one house is the person who came to sit down on top of five kings heads think about it so he had quite a large household but his being defined as very rich was more from the point of view that he had more than enough to provide for himself and for his household easily, without stress, without um, um, duress. Um, and, and I think one of the, the other, other reasons why I, I would support this um, particular definition is because if you look at the story of the rich fool in Luke, 12 to um, 18 to 19. Um, I think I'll just quickly read from here. Verses 18 to 19 were, were critical in the defining of the rich fool. Um, the Bible said that he had a surplus and he said he would enlarge his storage and store so that he would take care of himself and his family. So the definition of rich was that he had a surplus and that surplus was defined as or was benchmarked, was a surplus because was a surplus benchmark to what his household will require to consume. That being said, um, in the definition of wealth or somebody who is rich or someone who is wealthy, I would say that being large relative to the average and external benchmark is important, but being large or being abundance relative to an internal need is important. Right, um, in terms of the definitions. Um, so let me see if I can just quickly read that from Luke, Luke 12 from 18. Um, two seconds. 
So we see Richful talking to himself. He says, so I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, um, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Right? So he had stuff, or his, the definition of his richness was based on his need. So he had more than enough to take care of himself for a long time. Right. So, um, based on the relative levels of importance with respect to the, the definition of wealth, I will then go on to say that it's almost like the saying, um, many are rich, but few acknowledge their wealth and behave accordingly. In the sense that you are rich by this definition, if you have more than enough to take care of your needs and there is a surplus. And this is across the different dimensions. Again, recall that our, our assessment of wealth or assessment of, of prosperity is based on, or is, is not just monetary. There are five dimensions as Pastor uh, Michael shared. So across these five dimensions, so, so those who are rich are those who have more than enough to take care of, of themselves uh, and more, right? Or take care of themselves and their households, their responsibilities and their families, etc., etc., etc. Think about it. When um, Abraham left with Haran, the Bible said he left with his stuff. There was a start. He already had stuff enough to sustain himself. So technically, one can say he was rich right from then which is why the Bible made clear differentiation when he was coming out of um, Egypt by saying that now Abraham had become very rich, right? He was rich before, now he's very rich. Um, so mind of a matter, acknowledge and behave. Even though in this case, by definition, matter agrees with you in the sense that if by definition you have more than enough to take care of your needs, and some, you are rich or you are, you are wealthy. What, what has typically happened is that we have um, paid more attention or we tend to pay more attention to the external benchmark than we do the internal benchmarks. And that leads us to pray a, a, sli a, a slightly a variant of, of the Lord's Prayer. Um, so you know the Lord's Prayer, how the Lord's Prayer goes, give us this day our daily bread, because that is, that's which you need. We've changed it to give us this day the bakery, right? You want everything. Like, and <laughs> I mean, there are, <laughs> there are, how, how do I put this? I think two, two thoughts with, with regards to this, right? And I think the first one is that First Timothy 6, 8 admonishes us to be content right i think let's let's read that out as well um so first timothy 6 from verse 8 um and having food and clothing with these we shall be content um okay wait, i think let me let me take it from six um now godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain that we can carry nothing out and having food and clothing with these we shall be content there's there's that need to, or there's that admonishment for um, contentment. Sorry, I'm hearing something that's a little distracting. Okay, I think. Um, 
And then it, it then begs the question, or it then starts to behave, or starts to look like, um, or the behavior becomes akin to what the children of Israelites did when they were given their daily bread, quite literally, and there was an instruction: do not save this thing. But no, um, they did. And of course, the next day it turned into it had maggots, it turned into stuff, and, and all of that. So I guess the question really is. If God, your father, can clothe the um, lilies of the field, if God, your father, can take care of the sparrow, what's with the need to oversee the bakery, right? Do you not trust him to provide for you, right? Um, so in, in acknowledging and, and adjusting behavior as far the definition of wealth as by the acknowledgement of your richness as he did, both mind and matter. We technically have to make choices every day. And, and this happens whether we like it or not. We either acknowledge and comport or we behave like poppers. Um, and I mean, of course, we all, I, I would, I would assume that we mostly know um, what these tendencies are. So a Someone who is rich is generous, is hospitable, is has a growth mindset, takes risks, has has an abundance view, thinks win-win. Um, but someone on the other hand who who behaves like a pauper, who behaves like they are not rich, like they don't have, like they lack, is stingy, has a scarcity mindset, complains a lot, thinks in I can't, I don't have, and um, thinks in win-lose. And the interesting thing is that the rich get richer and the poor, the seemingly poor, seemingly poor because technically but yeah similarly poor get poorer um and we see this in um uh, we see this highlighted in in matthew 25 29 and, and luke 19 26 with, with the parables where he said that to him who has more more would be given um and to him who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him so i think the first thing really is to ground yourself in the i wouldn't Ground yourself in the knowledge, probably not the word, but to acknowledge or come to that place where you acknowledge that you are rich, you are wealthy. This doesn't mean that you should sit there. This, this is not saying that you should sit there and be complacent or you should not grow or aspire, not to Maguire though, but to more. Um, but it needs to come from that place of, I have more than enough. I have been supplied. I am wealthy. I am not seeking to be wealthy. I am already wealthy. And this is both mind and matter by definition, right? Um, and this will show up in your actions, the things you, um, the, the, the way we go about, or this will show up in our actions, where we go about things, our perspectives to stuff. Um, and this is really where the mind comes to play a lot, um, is that we decide, we make these decisions on a daily basis. Um, our mind, our soul, the state of our, our mind, intellect, character, thoughts, and emotions, is the points from which we make these decisions, right? Uh, on, in our day-to-day -day, day -day living. We see third John, um, um, the prayer that says, I pray in all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, right? So it's, it's a prospering of your soul that is lived out that causes the rich to get richer, quote, and unquote. Um, so the health, a healthy growth or the balance is, is really, um, is a growth where um, wealth grows in tandem with the soul. Um, if one grows faster than the other, and by one, I mean wealth grows faster than the soul, 
um, there's likelihood for the loss of his soul. But the flip case is not, uh, or the flip is the reverse is not the case. If the soul grows faster than wealth, wealth will catch up. And we will see that in, in a couple of examples. Um, but that being said, it's time for us to get to the third section uh, of, of this conversation. Um, so to, to create or, or to recap before I move forward, um, I think the first thing we looked at was we, we basically set the baseline and redefined wealth as opposed to how we tend to see it. Wealth is defined based on or can be defined based on two benchmarks. Wealth is relative. It's not an absolute term. Um, it can be defined based on an internal benchmark, your needs, your desires, your wants. It can be defined based on an external benchmark. You're looking at what the average is in the society who is popping at 21 and um <laughs> let me not do that here all right but that, that's we, we've redefined wealth as well we've looked at um we've seen the abraham the abrahamic example of this definition how it plays out and we've also looked at how that the soul um based on the definition more people are rich than they would like to acknowledge there are more people that are wealthy than acknowledge their wealth and live from that position of wealth or richness. There are people who are wealthy but are behaving like paupers. And what that leads to inevitably is that the seemingly poor get poorer. All right, but now let's, let's move on to the time paradox, right? As it pertains to the blessing. Because one of the key first things we looked at in certain the, the when we're looking at the specimen, um, Abraham, our father, is that the cocoa, the main thing that made him rich was the blessing. Um, I'm going to quickly run through this one because Pastor Dami has done um, an extensive job breaking down the time paradox of the blessing. So I'll just quickly touch on it and move. I'll also reference the uh, message where this was taught so that you could um, take a, you could go back to it and listen again and really grasp um, what this is about. All right. So before we get into the time paradox, right? Um, if mind over if matter over mind, right? That that will lead you to um, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, as uh, Pastor Dami likes to put it. And it's actually a really candid uh, quote, right? So what I did there. All right, but what happens when you um, put matter over mind is that you end up losing uh, matter, right? Um, Proverbs eleven verse 24 speaks to quick one let me just open that so that i can read out um speaks to the liberal soul um or the liberal person who scatters yet increases and the one who withholds more than is right but leads to poverty so if you are putting matter over mind right um you are Paying more attention to the matter, yeah, yeah, you're following the money, quote unquote, right? Like uh, following the money and and being being <laughs> what's what's the word to use now? But generally, you're, you're you're following the money. What what would tend to happen is that you would through withholding tend to poverty. It's an interesting. Um, I, I think it's really just funny how how. Um, these concepts are right um ironic in, in that sense but the bible says clearly there's one who withholds more than is right but it, it, it leads to poverty you would lose the matter and then what the other thing that can happen is that you lose the soul um and matthew 16 26 talks about um i think jesus speaking saying what shall i profit a man 
to gain the entire world, like to gain all that is matter, but lose the soul, right? To gain or lose all that is immaterial. Um, and we know that the things that we see, the things that are formed, the things that are matter, are created from things that are not seen, the things that are not matter, immaterial, the mind, right? Um, yeah, but when, what happens when we flip it, right? When we put mind over matter, which is the motion I am here to um, support, is is that we see an increase, right? Looking at the same um, same Proverbs eleven twenty four, it speaks about the person who scatters. It's a liberal soul, right? Um, that increases. Then we look at um, Solomon's wealth or the source of Solomon's wealth, and, and one of the things, that, and this is one of the things that that really fascinates me most of the time when I when I read um, up on the, the story of of Solomon is that. He asked for wisdom. God gave him an enlargement of heart. It's almost like he expanded his mind, right? And in expanding his mind, he was able to do things that <laughs> cost someone to give him about a trillion just like that. Like he was able to create um, create so much value that left the Queen of Sheba like dazed, dazzled, that the monetary... Um, because I think scholars did this as well. They tried to estimate the the value of the gifts in gold that Queen the Queen of Sheba gave to Solomon, and it was about one point something trillion dollars. Like think about that, right? Mind over matter. I mean, the Bible in, in uh, Matthew uh, six talks about seek ye first. Like, don't be bothered about what you eat, what you wear, what you seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I mean, we see the kingdom of God defined as things that are immaterial, righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost, right? Um, and all these things shall be added. Um, Proverbs 10, 22 talks about the blessings of God that adds, that makes rich and adds no sorrow, right? For Abraham's wealth, we'll discuss this in, in detail um, in, in answering or in exploring the butterfly effect of the blessing. And here's, here's really where I'm going to with, with this time paradox section. That's the butterfly effect of a blessing. Um, and during, during the particular teaching series, um, or during the particular session, Airborne Thinking in, in the Prevailing Blessing series, uh, Pastor Dami really um, blew my mind, if, if I would say, on, on, on explaining the concept of the blessing and how it works. So a pronouncement does not have the arbitrary, arbitrary or the autonomous um, permission to change your life if your decisions do not align with it. And the funny thing actually is that your decisions may have been aligning with this thing way before that blessing came. I mean, look at the story of Joseph, the blessing of, on Joseph, which literally blessed him for the journey that he went through from uh, being sold as a slave into, into the prison and finally into the the palace. I mean, that, that blessing really set him up for that. But that blessing did not come before he went through that journey. That blessing came after he went through that journey and made it. But that blessing was at work in his life because his decisions and actions aligned with it, right? So the butterfly effect of the blessing is that a blessing may be pronounced on you today, but you may have already been working in the actions or have aligned your lifestyle and, and your decisions with that blessing and so it may have already been producing results before the blessing right before the pronouncement of the blessing quote unquote so it's the decisions you take um and not just the blessing pronounced right 
Um, and I, I would really encourage anybody who has not or who wasn't part of, of that session, or perhaps you were there and you need a, a refresher. I would encourage everybody to message on SoundCloud. Um, it's clean, it's clear, it's there for your use. Um, and I'll say, I would say, align <laughs> your action moving forward to to the blessing by pursuing that which would expand um, your mind, that which would expand your soul, right? Okay, so, um, and we're going to look at um, Abraham really and as to, to the butterfly effect in his life, quote and unquote, right? And we look at his mentality and how he was that he, he had a rich man's mentality. I mean, there's, there's also where you come around um, and I, I remember this when I, I first met someone in, um, I think he's, he's been around at the tribe before, um, Captain Jesse Dato, uh, Pasimides, Boo. I remember the first time I met him, one of the things that really struck me about him was he had this rich man's mentality. This, we can do it. Uh, what's there? Why not? We can get it. All right, it's not just this. We'll get it done. He had, and it was so, at first I thought it was pride. Because I was like, I don't understand. Are we students together? Like, what's all this talk that you're talking about? What's, what's, what's this vibe you're giving me, right? But he had that mentality and, and that that always having something to give vibe. And that's similar to what Abraham has or had. Um, I mean, you look at Abraham, for example, he didn't grow alone. Through him, Lot became rich. Through him, he trained servants. Um, he didn't have a scarcity mindset. Um, and we can see this when it came to the grazing field selection, when there was that um debates between himself and, and Lot and like oh pick anywhere right like we can there is there is more than enough for us we don't have to argue about this right we see the same thing play out in, in the battle of five kings like ah, there is more than enough this particular one that you say you want to give me that's that's really not it right there is more than enough there's, there's an abundance mindset and you see he was hospitable how he entertained angels how he entertained um god and you see that he was generous and this actually um it was in, in reading that I, I noticed, if you read the story as to how Sarah got buried, um, he was staying in an area and then he wanted to use um, one of the burial grounds around that area to, to bury his wife Sarah at the time. And they were like, oh, please take it for free. Think about it. If a rich man wants to collect something from you that's of value, you will bill him. Unless this rich man has been benevolent to you, that you then feel a sense of reciprocity in the sense that, oh, Take this. Oh, no, 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 please don't mind. Take this for free. How about you're a guy? You, you get. So we can see that that generosity play out even to those who may not necessarily have been part of his um, part of his family or his household, but those in the environment. And the funny thing actually is that Abraham did not accept. He still in, insisted on paying for the land um, where he buried his wife. Um, so there's, there's that generosity. Or these were the mindsets. These were the actions. These were the mindsets that produced the growth um, in wealth that Abraham um, experienced. So we see that it's not just um, the pronouncement of the blessing, but it's also the decisions you take. And decisions you take are based on your mind. To him who has more will be given. There is, there is he who is liberal. He, he increases, right? Um, and, and this reminds me of, of the session by a pastor, Peace Donny Daly, a couple, I think it was, was it this year? It was last year, yeah? Um, where you talked about um, changing your ISP, I mean, changing your impossibility mindset, your small mindset, and your poverty mindset. Uh, some particular um, shots he fired that particular day, but I, I will not refire them today. If you are curious, please, um, this message is also on SoundCloud. Take a look. 
Goliathan. So, at this point, you may be thinking, well, sir, we've heard you, but excuse me, how does my mind enter my bank account? Because that's important too, right? Um, and I agree that it's important because um, we define wealth as the ability to, at the bare minimum, meet your needs and have have some, right? Have a surplus, right? So this is important. Your mind needs to, the rain needs to, <laughs> the rain needs to become seed. The rain needs to become bread or through seed and enter your bank account. So let, let's talk about that. Um, but we'll talk about that in the final section for the evening. Um, and this section is, is titled The Illusionary Value of Money. China currency. We'll talk about it. Um, so I have three thoughts here. Uh, three quick thoughts uh, with respect to money. And the very first one is from an economic point of view. Money is but a temporary storage of value. Yes, I said what I said. Money is but a temporary storage of value. Um, I'll, I'll take this from the perspective that nobody can argue. And then I also look at, we also look at it from a biblical perspective, because I mean, the Bible already knew this way before, before we even invented fiat money, right? So money really, the money we carry around, Naira, Dollar, all of that, those are fiat money, it's paper, it's paper. It doesn't have any value in and of itself outside of the value we ascribe or assign to it. I mean, today is 159, tomorrow is 589. If you know, you know. Um, and this fiat money, uh, this paper money is often backed by assets that have intrinsic value in and of themselves. So um, one of the reasons why I had named this section um, earlier misplaced priorities is because we don't say, <laughs> say don't say tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Um, because we don't pay, we, we, we tend to, misplaced priorities we don't pay as much importance to the underlying assets as we do to the money that we exchange and i mean we all know about the effects of inflation at least you're in nigeria you would have lived through that and we see how matthew 6 19 clearly gave us a heads up baba do not lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves breaking us and and still, right? So it's like a, <laughs> um, so it was a, it was a really clear one up front. Like, hey, this is not where you should store value, right? So money is a temporary storage of value. That's the first thought. Second thought is that money is not an end in itself, even as a storage of value, but a means to an end. So meaning. Even as use of, or even when money is used as a temporary storage of value, that is not the end in itself. You're temporarily storing it so that you can use it for something. It's a means to an end. It's a tool. It's a conduit. Money for money's sake sits right next to loss. Like you're just following the money, right? And the money is going down and you probably be following it too. Because, hey, don't stop value where no sort of value in, in things that are subject to, to decline, right? Um, and then 
lastly, which I think you kind of already should have seen coming is that money follows value. Because money is a temporary storage of value, it follows value in the sense that when, when you create value, somebody would exchange money for that value, meaning that value you have created, you are temporarily storing it in money to then use for something else, right? So it's used as a medium of exchange of value and temporary storage, right? Um, and we can look at this, um, or we can look at the concept of money following value in the sense of the rag to riches story of Joseph, right? I mean, it was Joseph's insight that was the value, but money followed it. Before we could say Jack Robinson, our guy was the prime minister. Uh, we look at the good pimp, right? Uh, this is talking about um, the escapade of Abraham and Sarah when they got to Egypt, right? The the reason that the the people in Egypt and Pharaoh was being really kind to Abraham, giving him all of that um, attention, giving him cattle, giving him gold, and, and all of that was because they were trying to get Sarah's hand, right? Sarah's hand was the value. Money follows value. You see the five armies, uh, or the battle of five armies with Abraham, um, and how that the king of Sodom and Gomorrah offered to give Abraham uh, every, um, the, the spoil um, because he had given them freedom. So the freedom was the value that Abraham had created. And what the king of Sodom wanted to exchange that value for was the spoil. Um, and I think what I also mentioned earlier on um, the story of or what happened between uh, Queen Sheba and, and Solomon. He had created such a valuable theme, such a valuable layout that she could not but just drop something, like because she partook of, of said value, right? Um, now, here's the thing. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the challenge is, or something, most of the time, challenge is that we've, we've changed or a couple of, we've changed our focus from value to money. We're following the money rather than following the value, right? People say chase the bag, but really you should be chasing the value, not the bag, because you chase value and the bag will chase you. I mean, um, okay, let me, let me not get into that. But to some of the ingredients utilized in value creation is determined by your soul. Um, so you basically need three things to create value. And um, I think off the top of my head, you probably, you can probably create value with more, but as a, as a baseline framework, you need assets, skills, and time. Uh, with skills and time, you can create value. With assets and time, you can create value. With assets, skills, and time, you can create value. So if you could mix and match with the only, um, with the only, uh, would I say, constant thing being time, because value is created in time. You can't exactly create value outside time, because I mean, you're not even outside time to begin with, right? So, um, and two, two third of, of these ingredients, it's determined by your soul. What, what are you spending your time on? What skills are you acquiring? What value are you applying? What value are you creating by an application of your skills and time? Or what value are you creating by an application of your assets or the assets you have and time? Um, so, the, I was going to say, say a little something about, about assets and how that if you look at um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you probably also look at Job, you see that one of the things that was constantly used to describe their wealth was the amount of cattle they had. It wasn't necessarily the tents they had um, in the sense that cattle is an asset. A tent, on the other hand, may be a liability, right? So it's 
your assets are not to be confused with your liabilities. Um, your phone may not necessarily be your asset, especially if it cannot create value. Like as long as something cannot be used to create value, recognizable value, that, that thing is not an asset. So let's, let's not confuse assets and, and liabilities. But we see that um, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, all these um, patriarchs were involved in value creation in agri-in farming in even well well digging and even though there was a whole story around how they are antagonistic um um reactions they got some of some of the well digging but Deuteronomy 8 it says hey um do not forget your the lord your god who gives you the power to make wealth right so think about it would you rather focus on the money or focus on what can make the money um, and I think one of the things that easily like, would come to mind at first is um, something from the very first season of Money Heist, how that they didn't <laughs> they didn't go to steal the money. They got they went in to steal and print the money, right? Um, because that was more valuable than the money itself. So it's a change of focus, right? Do not fo do not follow the money. That's you follow it downwards because that's TikTok we are going. Follow what really um, hinges um, what gives value to the money, right? What ascribes certain level of, of value to the money. So in closing, um, I'll try to summarize my thoughts as, as I wrap up um, my postulations on the motion. Um, so firstly, wealth is relative. Um, and this is something that came from a funny song, I think. Typically you hear people say, don't, um, Typically, you hear people say, cut your coat according to your size, right? Um, but there's a new one. Don't cut another man's coat according to your size because the coats may be different. The, the value of the coats may also be like, one coat may be made of gold, another one may be made of... So like, don't put too much pressure. Don't... <laughs> don't put too much pressure on yourself. Put pressure on grace, right? Don't, don't, don't follow the money and put pressure on yourself or give yourself high blood pressure in the sense that, of that desire wants to be rich by monetary terms or based on an external benchmark. Wealth is relative. Um, and when you, when you situate yourself in the idea that you are already wealthy, then you can become the rich that, or you can behave like the rich that become richer, right? And secondly, is the mind and decisions that you take that brings the fruits, the, brings the fruits of the blessing to bear. Um, so not just because you are pronounced blessed. Yes, you are blessed, but your action needs to align with that blessing. And lastly, money is a temporary storage of value. Shift the focus from storage to creation. And the thought of creation sits in your mind. Um, with these few points of mind, I trust I have been able to convince you and not confuse you that wealth is a matter of mind over matter. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Pastor Ito. Uh... Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.